the thing with the martial arts is, of course, it's supposedly, it's not always true, but it's generally uh, thought of it as a complete system of self-development. So you can become a whole integrated person through this avenue of learning how to defend yourself. Welcome to Trauma to Triumph, where our goal is to empower, inspire, and give you the means to stand up, take control of your life while embracing your inner badass. I'm thrilled you are here and wanting to be a part of this journey. In our seventh episode, I'm excited to introduce to you Sharif Joinson. Sharif is an embodiment coach, an established author, and a masculinity expert. I was drawn to Sharif because let's face it, Articulate men are hard to come by, and reading some of his material, I knew we were going to be instant friends. His ability to understand the emotions and psychology behind men had me immediately wanting to send every dude I ever knew to go and get coached by him. I was wishing there was a Sharif in every corner to teach what he's teaching. He is the author of Relationship Samurai, a man's guide to owning himself and mastering his relationships. And if you're ready for it, The concept is learning how to live from your heart by grabbing a hold of your balls. In this episode, we get to see live of what it looks like for a man to embrace and honor his own trauma and for the first time recognizing it out loud publicly. I'm grateful to be the one to hold this conversation and what I appreciate even more is to see the difference between how men and women process trauma. The goal in this episode is to learn how to draw out real vulnerability by understanding the way we show up and how we hold space. Ever wonder why you can't get the full breadth of how we or our partners are feeling? Let's get started and find out why. So today we have Sharif on our podcast. He is the author of the book called Relationship Samurai. And it's a a book that talks about real samurai concepts, and it's about a man who lives from the heart and involves taking a hold of his balls. (laughs) It's probably not like the most politically correct thing to say right now, but it's quite all right because we are actually going to talk a little bit about what Sharif does. And a lot of um, the work that he does is in helping men really get into their masculinity and feel comfortable with their mental health and really embodying all of the uh, masculine, feminine energies and having a good balance between both. Would you say that that's about accurate, Sharif? Yes. Yeah. Um, just to add a little bit to the holding on to the balls, it's a, it's a two-part slogan kind of thing or yeah, I guess slogan, which is uh, open your heart, hold on to your balls. So the it's holding on to the balls while uh, becoming emotionally open. Just to chuck that in there. But other than that, yeah, that's uh, that's about right. And he's like been featured everywhere. I, I can't even keep up. I like look at your site. I'm like, oh my goodness, PepsiCo and Tiny Buddha and a bunch of other locations that have had you, I'm assuming, speaking and writing, and you've probably done quite a bit of work over there on your side of the country. Yes. And you're in London, right? That's correct, yeah. And it's a, it's a combination of those logos that people have written articles for or consulted or um, worked with training or you know, various things. 
Right. So what I loved about, so just being a female with a lot of masculine energy, um, I love what you talk about because it's really about a man being a man, but not having to be so brash, but still being able to embrace the whole heart concept because there's a striking balance that, you know, we as women would really like to see from men. And I think that there's like the challenge of having men be a little bit too feminine or a little bit too extremes and really not understanding what the importance is between having both, but knowing when to exert both. And I feel like every single time you write, I'm like, man, if you could find me a man like that, that would be ideal. Like sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Uh, It's, it's a really big topic right now in the world, not just in the sort of coaching space or mind body space, but men, women stuff is, is being talked about a lot right now, put in the sort of, uh, following on from me too and various scandals like that. And Trump is saying some things and uh, we've had this Kavanaugh thing now. And unfortunately there is a, a dynamic out there, which is, uh, which is a gender war. It is because that's the way some people approach this com- time of confusion this time of not just confusion, but this time of um, sort of revealing of the truth this uncovering of, of, of certain concepts so yeah, it's really current right now, but it really taps into some very essential principles. It's not just modern times, where the men stand and what does masculinity mean and what's toxic and what's not and uh, should women be such a way, but is that being overly masculine and da, 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 all this confusion underneath all that, there's some really fundamental universal and actually spiritual principles which are the masculine and feminine aspects of how everything works. And this is uh, ancient, ancient wisdom uh, that's been practiced in in various uh, sort of Eastern mm, religions and philosophies for for many, many thousands of years. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, stuff to be involved in right now, for sure. So when you take a look at, I mean, I... I love your writing. I mean, it's impeccable. If anybody ever gets a chance to take a look at you on Facebook or on Instagram and the videos that you provide, it's just such great content. And I remember writing on there saying, I wish more men would read this because this is phenomenal stuff. Um, But really, like, how did you end up starting into that journey? Because I think that that's really important to understand because not a lot of people like wake up and say, oh, this is who I am, right? It's like you definitely have to go through some things in life that have taken you into this course of where you're now doing this type of work for other men. So how did you end up starting in this journey and, you know, getting into this place? Um, Well, the short answer is through the martial arts. Uh, I've been involved in the martial arts uh, from about seven years old and I'm 34 now. So, you know, at some time and I've done various types of martial arts uh, to varying degrees. And the thing with the martial arts is, of course, it's supposedly it's not always true, but it's generally uh, thought of it as a complete system of self-development. So you can become a whole integrated person through this avenue of learning how to defend yourself, you know, by going deep into an art. So 
through the martial arts, I, I came into contact with lots of uh, philosophy and psychology and some spirituality stuff as well. And I got into that more, some of the more internal and broader concepts in my teens. And obviously being martial arts, it put me in touch with uh, a lot of men, training lots of men one-on-one. -on -one. And it was in this dynamic of working with men very closely and intimately in getting them from this place of being, feeling vulnerable to being capable physically, where I, I got a, an insight into what's really going on in them. And then I saw myself in, in a lot of that too. And of course, I was growing alongside and still am and always will be. And so, yeah, through the martial arts is, is really the, the short answer. And then there's sort of stuff behind how I got into the martial arts and why I chose that as my, well, whether I chose it or whether it chose me, I don't know, but whether why that became my core purpose in a way, or, or at least a part of it, very central to my life. So, so yeah. So I know the story behind this, but um, my question for you is, because a lot of people don't realize that the empathy and the compassion that you have is because you've been through some of the experiences yourself, right? Like it's really hard to be able to glean that kind of passion that you have to take on this mission without having had some of your own awakening in your own experiences. So was there something that like hit home for you that this was something that you wanted to do? Or was it something that you just like fell in love with and just you know, wandered through martial arts? Like, how did you end up getting started in martial arts? Well, uh, I was at that age where my mum wanted me to do some extracurricular activities. And I remember her asking me if I wanted to get into gymnastics. I was like, no, that's for girls. Although now <laughs> when I look at gymnast bodies, I'm like, damn, you know, I wish I'd <laughs> done that. And uh, my sister, older sister, was doing ballet. She asked me, do you want to do ballet? No, that's for girls. And again, I look at ballet, male ballet dancers now and their sort of their physique and they're surrounded by girls all the time. I'm like, damn. Yes. But when she said karate, I was like, hell yeah. Because I saw uh, at that time, just, uh, yeah, I guess it was the same year that the Karate Kid was was made or maybe maybe a bit later I don't know but anyway I'd seen that movie and that hit home a lot because here's this this guy you know the main character this young boy who uh, is apparently fatherless but finds this father figure in the martial arts and my own life at the time was uh, I guess a couple of years after my parents divorced and around that divorce was a lot of a lot of shit um, that that went down very sort of scary traumatic stuff which without going into extensive unnecessary detail my dad came from a culture or comes from a culture where you don't you don't divorce your man you know like he you don't the, the woman doesn't make that kind of decision and and it was a huge blow to his very sensitive ego at the time and consequently he became very uh, very abusive. He became uh, a physical danger to us. Uh, there was some police involvement. So there was like police coming around our place and stuff. And uh, my whole personal security became incredibly compromised. So 
there was all sorts of stuff around getting picked up from school and dropped off, sort of procedures to ensure that we weren't in danger. And, you know, obviously my my mum was at risk too. So I instantly, being the only male in the house, it was me, my mum and my sister, I just fell into this role of, okay, I'm the protector. And from a very young age, I was preparing myself for violence, to to do violence in order to defend my family against violence. And so from you know, five, six years old, that was a reality in my world. And while it never manifested and I never had to rescue anyone physically and nobody got hurt, um, you know, that doesn't just go away. And that, that leaves an imprint, especially when the mind is so, is still forming at that time. And, and just to, to, to say as well, I always feel the need to, to really throw this in when I talk about this. My dad is a very different man now and I have a very good relationship with him now, which uh, I've worked very hard on and uh, yeah, I actually really enjoy my relationship with him these days. It's, it's fantastic. So I'm really happy to, to be able to say that. And apart from that, there were some incidents where uh, I saw my mum get... Uh, physically attacked by an alcoholic neighbor that we had because I didn't grow up in sort of the nicest part of town. Although funnily enough, it is a trendy part of of London now, but when I was a kid, it wasn't, you know, and uh, there was some things at school, some sort of bullying scenarios. There was a, there was the, 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 the thing around my mum being single now and a part of her coping mechanism post-divorce was to start seeing men quite early I think and uh, yeah in hindsight without too much judgment I would question her the way that she uh, brought them into our lives you know so I was exposed to these sort of strange men coming to my house and of course as a child you just kind of have this intuitive feeling the inner caveman part of you knows that okay if this man who I don't know turns on us we're fucked because he, my mom can't fight him. I can't fight him. My sister can't fight him. And I experienced that. So in, in the work I've done on myself, I realized that this, uh, you know, this laid a serious sort of like blueprint in my mind for, for life uh, and how sort of life works. So the, the blueprint was something like, okay, there's danger and I better get good at defending myself against this shit, you know? And then I suppose there's some other bits too, but finally, so yeah, around this thing with, with the men uh, coming to our, our house, one of my mum's boyfriends, he, I'm still, I question my memory around it a little bit, but it basically he exposed himself to me and he did, it was, it was very creepy, you know, it was really creepy uh, the way it went about. It wasn't explicit, um, it was subtle but very creepy and it's it's it left a, a mark on me which i only just uncovered very relatively recently it's like kind of like almost like a memory that i'd repressed or something and then also uh, i guess around the time i started doing martial arts there was an incident which um i've never written about this before i've never spoken about it on a podcast um Sorry, I'm right next to a road here. I'm sure you can you can hear that siren. But uh, yeah, I, there was an incident when I was about seven or eight where basically I was uh, molested by a, 
a stranger in a public toilet. So I was using the bathroom there and while I was washing my hands, this man groped me and said some creepy shit to me and and walked off and that was it. And I was left feeling kind of like, okay, that was weird. But again, in this sort of work that I've done on myself, I realized just what that did to me. You know, like really when it when it came <clears throat> when it came up recently for me in my sort of self exploration man that explained a lot of anger you know like I was quite angry as a teenager and also in my early 20s and so yeah that's um I don't go there very often like in my work I don't talk about it or write about it I don't want that's not my my anger if you will like I'm a a trauma survivor um but I am and that's the that's the truth I mean again the short answer is how I got into this is through the martial arts the long answer is I got into the martial arts because my world was a dangerous one, or at least it felt that way. And I wanted to make sure I was more dangerous than the next guy. And so the earliest experiences I had, or earliest sort of traumas I experienced were at the hands of men. And I spent the rest of my life learning how to kill them, basically. <laughs> There's so much there that like, I don't even know where to start. The mm. first one um, being the just sharing with us what you've been through, amazing, um, and like starting with your dad. Like what I love is that you've been able to, and I think this is huge for people to understand. Is I grew up where I didn't have a very great relationship with my dad either. Something like if you had asked me ten years ago if I would have the relationship I have now with him. I would have said, there's no fucking way, right? And just to be able to know that you've grown to the point where you can look at that and not have that be an anchor for why you're angry, but have it propel you to be, you know, to evolve so that you can have the relationship and also be able to forgive and find sources of healing so that you can have, you know, the love and, you know, not only just have the love, but give the love that he so needed from you as his son. Right. I mean, that's huge. The other thing is, is that, um, and I know when we initially had spoken that you had shared the story with me and it was kind of like a, whoa, like I didn't even think about that. It was something that was really buried. And I just can't thank you enough for being able to comment and share that because I know that's not something that's super comfortable for most people to be able to share. Um, But to just be able to look at it and honor it and respect the fact that there are feelings there and to just acknowledge that the trauma had happened. Because a lot of times I think that we go through this stuff and we're just like, oh, we're on a mission to do this. And then we don't really identify as human beings. Like we just look at all the negative stuff or, and try to reject it where we should really be embracing it and like understanding that that awkward side of us and that uncomfortableness needs to be loved and, you know, held and not rejected. Because when we fight that whole thing, like I've noticed for, even for myself, just rejecting all of those like weird, awkward, you know, really uncomfortable, vulnerable moments has me fighting against myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And the one thing that I can say is like with martial arts, it's really allowed me like I've only really picked it up in the last year, um, but really understanding and growing into this, you know, art form and learning how to be and learning that I'm enough and accepting all of that with all of the beauty and the ugly. Um, it 
it's huge because it brings you a sense of peace that a lot of people that go through trauma don't have. Like you're always fighting something. So huge. Mm. Yeah. No, thanks for, uh, for acknowledging all of that. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a long, uh, long journey and, you know, this is one of the things I, I love about the martial arts is, uh, like you said, it, it gives you a, I mean, put it this way, but I, I wouldn't be a very nice person. I don't think if it wasn't for the martial arts, if I wasn't, if I didn't feel physically capable and don't get me wrong, I mean, fighting is an ugly business and, you know, I'm not a, a huge guy. So there's plenty of dudes down the street who could just, you know, ruin my day. But um, if I didn't generally feel potentially dangerous, as I, as I call it, I don't think I'd be, um, I wouldn't be who I am now. I wouldn't feel safe enough to be open. It's, it's really the, that invulnerability has been the, the platform for my practice of vulnerability, you know? So it's like, a, it's a safety net. If I didn't know that if, okay, well, if, if all else fails, I could always punch them in the face. If I didn't have that, then I would find it really hard to open my heart. And that's why it's, uh, for me, it's open your heart, hold on to your balls. And that's actually true for men and women, by the way. I mean, it's obviously, it's metaphorical and, and stuff, but essentially the work I do with men and women is I get people to integrate the dark stuff, which includes your capacity for violence, i.e. martial arts, because that's what the martial arts is. Martial means in reference to war. Art, it means as in a method. So if you take the kind of airy fairiness away from it, it's methods of war. And it's to make you good at being better at violence than those who might attack you, you know, because that's the only physical way to defend yourself against violence is with greater violence or more, or to put it this way, to more effective violence. So you have, you put them down. So now you're safe. That's essentially it. There is no ultimately purely defensive way to protect yourself. You know, you, you're protecting yourself with blocks and all this kind of stuff and running away. That's not really martial arts. That's just trying to protect yourself from attack. The martial arts comes in when you take out the attacker. And so to integrate this dark into us, into ourselves, is, which we've had, it's in us. It's not some extra skill which you can learn. I mean, the physical stuff is, but the capacity to, for violence, the capacity to, ah, you know, to defend yourself is in there. And it's been in your DNA since before we were even walking on two legs, you know. So that's why it's, uh, yeah, hold on to your balls, which is kind of that part. Um, maybe hold on to your ovaries, whatever, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, open your heart, which is, uh, of course, universal. Right. You know, it's... What's really interesting to me is that the, so recently I've written a post about my son and listening to your story about being groped in the bathroom and understanding it and how you ended up coming to like all these things about like how you, and I, I know that this wasn't a part of the story that you shared, but how you had told your sister about it and then having to see him again on an escalator and like mm -hmm. how we, um, 
have these things where, like for my son, you know, he had come home. And for anybody who hasn't read the story is that he had come home from school and it was really interesting because, you know, the day had gone by like after school and then it was the evening time. And he said, mommy, um, somebody at school touched my private parts and like the world stopped for a moment. Um, and I looked at him and I was like, okay, tell me, what did you do? And he said, I told the teacher and I said, huh? And what did the teacher do? Because I'm like, it's 8.30 at night and I haven't received an email. And he's told the teacher, right? Like, I get emails for stupid shit. Like, you know, they threw food in the cafeteria. But I'm like, but I'm not going to get an email about, like, you know, my son reporting that. And my son doesn't really report much, right? Like, and this is, like, the interesting thing to me because we talk about, like, oh, all these women that came out with the Kavanaugh or, like, you know, Bill Cosby. And it's, like, 20, 30 years later. Like, why didn't they report and whatever else? And I started to realize, like, this, this shit, you know, show that happened with my son was a real eye-opener on some of the things and how we've conditioned ourselves to do what we do and how, like, Me Too has evolved the way that it has. And it's just been crazy. And so it's interesting because we've been so reactive in the way that we um, respond to what's happened versus trying to figure out where the root cause was. And then hearing my son and having him tell me and what like just blew my mind was that the teacher didn't do anything about it. Right. Um, and he was telling me, so I had to sit down with my son and just have him like, tell me like, where, where was he touched? How was he touched? What happened beforehand? And it's so important because as, you know, parents and guides and whatever else, and especially for somebody who's like had my own trauma to make sure that you're not guiding that conversation, right? Like you want them to be able to explore it and knowing that they're safe, but also understanding it because kids at the age of seven years old aren't going to be able to name that shit. You know what just happened? I don't know what just happened. Like most of the time we as kids feel guilty because something had happened to us and we should have known better. But it's like, no, you shouldn't know better. You're seven years old. Like your level of like um, introduction to this shit is should be minimal. Um, but even then it it shouldn't happen at all. And so what was interesting to me was that he had told me what had happened and, um, you know, the emails obviously went out to the teacher and to the principal and to their dad. And the response was really interesting for me. So I think I was more appalled by the response. So even before I go there, though, like, it's so important that we don't ever placate what our kids say, right? Like, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would be somebody who'd be like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. But it's so important to make sure that you honor what they're saying and that you give them the time of day and that you make sure that they know that when they say something like that, that it's serious, that you take it seriously. Because that type of attention says, okay, mommy's going to stop her tracks or this adult's going to stop their tracks when they're having this conversation because like, this is serious business. And so when I ended up sending out this email, what was interesting was that I sent out an email and, you know, their dad called. And again, this coming from somebody who's never had those types of experiences, right? So I call it healthy versus unhealthy. Like people who experience unhealthy have an understanding and have a bandwidth for people who never experienced it and kind of take it lightly because they don't have those strong boundaries because they've never really had to 
develop them. I don't know if that's really the case, but that's what I found for people who haven't experienced it. His first initial reaction to me was, well, are you sure that he just wasn't being a boy and, um, you know, like boys are going to be boys. Like they slap each other's stuff and that's kind of what they do. And I'm like, did you even think to like talk to him first before you came to that conclusion? And then it was like, well, you know, are you going to send him back to school? And I'm like, I haven't even heard from the teachers yet and nobody's responded. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to send him back to school. Right. And then he was like, well, he's got to go face to face with the kid. And I'm like, I don't think so. Right. Like there's some things Mm -hmm. that need to happen. And so it was really interesting. And then, so what made it even worse was that, um, so I, I, purposely headlined this email as inappropriate touching so that I knew that I'd get a response back. Right. It's funny because as administrators and as teachers, they didn't respond to my email. They actually picked up the phone and called me and I was like, Mm -hmm. Oof, I know where this is going to go. So, you know, I ended up having this conversation with the teacher and she's like, Oh yeah, I was going to sit them down today. And I was like, you didn't think that you should have like immediately responded to it and then um, you're going to sit down with them the next day. I'm like, no, when a kid comes to you and you don't give them that time of day, what you're teaching them is that it's okay to be touched. We'll get back to it when we need to. And that it's not that serious, right? And the challenge too, though, as adults, like we don't understand. I don't think, again, going back to the healthy aspect of things is that we don't necessarily see those like if they're not coming to us crying oh this guy touched me or this girl touched me or whatever and crying because they don't really know that that's what they're supposed to do and they're just kind of like oh i don't know this is what happened and you know somebody touched me here and so the teachers are probably thinking oh okay it's not a big deal i'll just get back to it later instead of like taking the time to dig down and ask and figure out you know what we're supposed to do and so for me listening to your story And even just hearing my sense where I was like, oh, like the red flags went off. And it was like, it's not because people don't want to do better. It's because we really, I feel like, don't understand the seriousness of like when someone says that and how to handle it. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, we're we're in a time now where we're really developing emotional intelligence as a species. Because up until now, in in the emotional department, We've been, we've been really stupid, you know. Like, we, we. If you think about just our own parents and then our grandparents and their parents, the things we did to each other as a species, you know, to our own children, the beating, the kind of the closed-hearted stuff, the kind of lack of praise, and you know, it. This is all new. This is all new. Like even this thing of holding space. I mean, it's a relatively new concept for me. It was only a few years ago that I remember being with a really dear friend of mine and she was talking about uh, a workshop she went to and the facilitator held the space for us. I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're feeling our way through it. But of course, uh, and as you said, for some people, it's not really intuitive. It's not uh, automatic how to validate somebody's experience, how to give it space and, and um, validate their feelings around it and let them develop their own feelings without steering it yourself, as you said. It's really hard. I mean, I, I screw up with my kids all the time in this department. 
where they'll tell me something or they'll do something and then I'll respond a certain way and then I'll wish I had done it differently. I mean, nothing too major, but, and also, in fact, not just with my kids. I had a, a thing recently with a with an adult where they was expressing a sort of feeling to me and I wish, in hindsight, I'd have gone about responding slightly differently. So... Yes, it's 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 difficult and not we're we're learning as a species, but it doesn't mean that it's any less important to try our best to get it right. And you know, luckily, I think in our most Western schools, what I've seen in the states and of course in the school in here, it's becoming more and more of a thing. You know, they we teachers know how to sit children down and listen to them more than you know in the old days you'd just get like slapped or something you know um, maybe not your or I generation in school but our parents it was certainly okay to for teachers to to beat kids because they were just given that power which is horrendous I mean imagine your your own child in the hands of this other stranger and you you and your culture and the, the law give that stranger the right to physically assault your kid. I mean, we can't even get our head around it, right? But that was a thing, and that was a thing. And um, so, yeah, it's it's really, it's not ideal how uh, in your particular situation, uh, your son's situation, it wasn't great uh, how how that was dealt with at all. I can see exactly where you're coming from and uh, your own upset. And, you know, as I was reading your, your post, you know, as I said to you, I'm like, yeah, I feel you in this one, you know, and I feel you because I know you've had your own trauma as well from your childhood. And yeah, it got me right in the feels. <laughs> I felt it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question or not. That kind of rambled off there. It's, it's, it's interesting just because like from an EQ standpoint and like trying to teach and I run into plenty of men who could definitely utilize your service that I'm sure that <laughs> women that are listening to this that are like, man, I wish I could just send my man there because that emotional intelligence is something that doesn't come naturally. Like, I mean, shoot, if my, you know, child's dad had a little bit more EQ, we, it'd probably be a completely different story. So it, it's like that whole process of like, how do you even teach that? to a man who, like, how do you even get them to decide that they want to step into that space? Like, what are some pointers that you can give to us to get our guys to be more evolved and really actually even want to take this step without having to sound like we're nagging or like, you know, I mean, I would send so many men to you. I just don't know how to get them in front of you, you know, because I just feel like we need that. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's um, that's a that's a question I'm still trying to answer myself. You know, I don't have a a, a waiting list yet of uh, of clients. To be honest, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and uh, one thing I've felt for sure, and I knew intuitively even before I started to to do this work. When I kind of decided this is going to be my thing, I knew that the women of the world would get what I'm doing more than my target audience, which is, which was men and still is, but, uh, you know, I work with women too, but, you know, what I find is you can't, you can't force anybody to be in a certain stage of development. And one essential stage of development is 
this being in a state of I don't know and trying you can't convince a man that he doesn't know what he's doing you know what I mean emotionally or in life or or whatever it's very difficult he has to and same for, for all people we have to reach that place by ourselves and so the men that I've worked with on the, the deeper stuff have hit that point all by themselves and then they come to me nobody has referred them and all of that they found me and they was in a certain place in life where it just made sense because essentially they'd felt enough pain they had developed enough sensitivity or just had an inherent sensitivity where they could feel what that something was missing you know and you know i, I experienced this in a, in a quite a big way when i so i had a little following of students in the self-defense stuff that i was doing and then as i started to establish myself and put this label on myself which at the time was life coach for men which i don't really you know identify with that anymore but that was my thing and i thought oh, they'll just all transition over to my coaching they know i'm a good self-defense teacher and and they know i'm deep in the psychological aspect of of violence and all this stuff so they'll trust me with everything else and they'll they'll all buy my book that called relationship samurai which is about relationships <laughs> yeah that didn't quite go to plan so i've still got a following of, of self-defense guys who that's all they see me as they don't want me to be the other thing and if i start going too deep or too woo-woo <laughs> in some of our sessions you can feel the the resistance there so um <laughs> I'm afraid I don't have a, a clear-cut answer for you there, but essentially when a person has, has experienced enough pain in one area, when they realize that whatever they're doing hasn't been working, then they open up to, okay, if I want something I've never had, I'm going to have to do something I've never done. And that's a part of the hold on to your balls thing as well. It's not just about learning to be a tough guy, macho fighter man. It's hold on to your balls because you're going to need to when we go into the heart stuff because opening your heart is scary as fuck and you know this is why you know are you, i you i see in this mind body space and related areas this word warrior used a lot everybody's a warrior like i'm a warrior of love and you know you've got to tap into your warrior i think people use this word way too much for me that's a really sacred word because you know it's a real job description warrior it's and it's a very serious job and it's a very difficult one there are people in the world i.e. soldiers these days as we call them who politics aside do a very serious difficult job and those are warriors so when somebody just comes along and skips by and says i'm a warrior too i'm like no dude <laughs> no because you know i have some some military experience too so i take that stuff really seriously but um, the one other area where I acknowledge a man or a woman as a warrior is in the heart exploration, because that's real. That is just as scary. I know some dangerous human beings who have done some bad things to bad people and all this kind of stuff, you know, uh, kicked down doors and, and done all that, that, that dirty work. But uh, you try and get them to explore their feelings and I'll show you the biggest coward you've ever seen in your life, you know? So, and that's not to take anything away from anything else that they have, any other attributes that they have, but just in that area, it's too scary. And so anybody who has the quote unquote balls to delve into the heart and open that 
and and just explore that even just a little bit you, you instantly have my respect and that's the beginning of some internal warrior training yeah. it's interesting that you say that because i know for i mean not even just for men but for women and especially again going back to women you know like um always be in control always take control and that part like i'm not even kidding you i i know that it's it's really weird because most people are like oh you're so strong and you can do this and you can do that and like you've always done like all the crazy shit it's like when you have to actually sit down and take a look at what's going on in your heart like that shit would put you down like i think over the summer i'm not even lying or exaggerating there was a part of me that went a little bit britney spears crazy where i wanted to shave off my head and like slip my wrists just because it was like having to go through that kind of stuff and like understanding where your pain is and what's blocking your heart from really opening up is like let me go get hit in the face a few times like that's a lot easier me go and like spar a few hours and be all bloodied up like i would rather do that like go run a company go like you know make shit happen but like to actually sit down mm-hmm. and let me be in that space and just to be present and to be like i knew that if i wanted to be a better martial artist that i'd have to learn how to like have grace and allow myself to be but it's like we've done so much as a society i feel like to block everything from just being in our own space and allowing ourselves to feel that we've gotten into so much technology and it's just taken us away from being able to sit here and have a conversation or have a few min- minutes of silence like that's just too hard mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's a lot um going on in in some of the things you you've said the i mean women have their their own journey in this and um yeah i don't think i'll ever be a a women's coach but i have uh, worked in in that sort of capacity to varying degrees recently and i've had been given some really beautiful insight into what's going on in in the collective sort of feminine experience and what's been going on which i has been blind to my whole life like like most of us dudes and and some women do you know um and yeah i mean i don't know where to even really sort of begin but th- there's this whole thing of of women have had to develop their own masculine uh to a really high degree like a to a an injurious degree to a, a, an unhealthy degree because of the lack of masculine embodiment in men collectively which has come off the back of women's liberation and then it, there's a whole sort of chain of events of like men did this then women did this and so men did this now women have to do this but now they need to do you know and it's it, i think everybody has a sort of intuitive feel for how this has all gone down but this heart exploration and this uh, vulnerability uh, exploration and, and development is is for everybody it's not for just men or just women and it just looks slightly different for everyone but it's ultimately about opening you know uh, opening the heart which is the the first part before the balls <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get men to even be at a point where they're comfortable dropping into being vulnerable time 
time and and consistency it's the same thing as developing trust in a relationship is is the same for men and women which is i me as your coach as your friend as your partner as your parent even i need to be consistent with my presence and my responses to your feelings and like like everybody we test we we do little tests and um so somebody might come to us with something relatively small and if we if we don't respond really well to that if i don't respond well to that maybe you're going to have a really hard time opening up to me about something deeper than that and that's how i got into this is so i started off i meet somebody like oh hey so what makes you want to learn self defense well i want to learn how to defend myself cuz i see these things happening in the news and or i've got a family now and i feel like i should okay great and then okay this is how you punch this is how you kick this is how you make a fist da 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 and over time it's more like oh you didn't just want to learn how to fight you actually felt like there was something missing in you as a man and now you you're starting to develop that and these guys would open up to me over a long period of time now of course if somebody comes to me now for the more self development stuff the embodiment coaching they're already relatively open and and vulnerable because they have to tell me what's going on with them initially but uh yeah it's it's to 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 get somebody to open to you uh it takes lots of time lots of trust and and here's the other thing is you need to be in your integrity you know you you got to be trustable in order to be trusted and especially in the sort of intimacy realm because these days I'm starting to work a lot in this sort of uh intimacy and sexuality stuff as well and in this case especially in the man woman dynamic as a man you need to be in your integrity which means you need to be integrated and a whole as a person and that's when this other person a female maybe in this case uh is going to feel your integrity feel your trustability and that's the basis for opening and that's the basis for then any intimacy that takes place after that so yeah for me personally how do i get them to open up to me is to be trustable essentially which is a, an ongoing process for me i'm constantly working on my own integrity uh as well you know so when you have i mean you obviously see a lot of the work and you know what men have to deal with and i know that we're running short on time um but what are some of the things that you feel like we as women could do to better support our men well firstly it's the same it's the same thing it's that consistency and trustability and the basis for that is your own self work if you can't hold space for your shit there's no way you can hold space for mine and when i test those waters and maybe when i come to you with a feeling you give me a reaction or a close down or you get triggered or whatever it is that's that's going to stop there that 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 you know that's that's where that ends in terms of me opening up to you right so one of the great things i'm seeing so much now especially in these these circles that you are you and i are involved in is women like yourself who are doing the work you know the stuff i was talking about before the the hard stuff the scary stuff and when you do that with you that makes you better able to relate and hold space for me and then i feel safe enough to open up and then that can be the start of something beautiful you know but it starts with the self work and 
So there's no tricks or, or techniques, I'm, I'm afraid. It's a bit like with the self-defense. People come to me like, what's the thing I can do to, if somebody attacks me, what's this little thing? There's no little thing. I've got to retrain your nervous system for combat, you know? And uh, yeah, it's the same thing with, with intimacy. It's, uh, it's, it's, a long, it's the long road. You've got to be able to sit with difficult feelings and you start with your own. It's so funny that you say that because I feel like we all want a magic pill. Be a better martial artist or we all want to be better at defending ourselves and we all wanted it yesterday, but we don't want to put the actual time and effort or don't realize how much time and effort actually goes into doing that kind of stuff. And even with, you know, holding space and like working on your own shit, like I can't even like agree with you more. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Um, so one of the things that I always like to ask people, um, on my podcast is if there is one thing, one tool, um, maybe even just anything that you would want to see people doing more of to make this place better for everybody, what would that look like? What would that be? Mm, I think if everybody just learned to take a conscious breath, you know, every now and then throughout the day, like literally the whole world learn to sit with just themselves in that moment and drop into the present moment to, you know, I hate using all this woo-woo speak, but uh, yeah, to drop into the present moment and take a conscious breath, it totally changes your nervous system. It changes your state of consciousness and opens you up for mindfulness. And then that's the basis for everything else. Huge part of emotional intelligence is being able to be present to what's going on with you. You know, you catch yourself, you say, oh, I'm doing that thing, whatever that is. You know, I'm, I'm all like hyperactive. Okay, calm down. Or I'm really tense and I'm doing that thing where I'm, I'm keeping unnecessarily busy or I'm, I'm not letting anybody in and, da, 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 you know, just shh. We live in so we're so overstimulated, and uh, you know I can't knock social media because it's served me very really well. It's how we met, so instantly I love Facebook. But uh, <laughs> you know all this sort of Instagram and the swiping, and it, you know that's a whole other conversation. But the whole world is is designed now to distract you from everything uh, from everything that's going on in you. Nobody has to feel what they're feeling because you just go on and on the app and you do the thing or you watch the Netflix or you, whatever, you listen to the Spotify, even the gym, you know, you go to the gym and work out. The gym is the best place in the world to go if you don't want to feel stuff, you know, <laughs> you feel the burn, you feel the burn, but that's all you feel. So you don't have to feel what's really going on, you know, so if everybody just started with one breath, uh, drop into their body just get out of the head and quiet the mind for a little bit. I know that's really general sort of hippie speak, but uh, it's really true. It's really true. That's, uh, that's the beginning for that. And then from there, you start to feel what you're feeling and then you can work on maybe expressing what you feel and exploring it and da, 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 da. it goes on from there. But the, it has to start with mindfulness. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. It's amazing that that's what you chose. Because I, I find, and it, it, what drives me crazy is that I don't even realize it sometimes when I'm holding my breath. Mm. 
right? When you're holding your breath and you have your shoulders all like scrunched up because you're super tense. And um, I find, you know, even in going to, you know, work at the gym or like sparring or, you know, doing any type of work, I don't even have to do that. Like just picking up my kids from the school, if like I have something on my mind and just all that tensing. And it's kind of crazy because when you start to catch yourself, you're like, huh, everything's going to be okay. You just have to breathe into it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I wanted to say something else because I've, I've got a little bit of time, actually. Um, we don't need to hurry up right just yet. But um, uh, you, you mentioned something before <clears throat> about um, you've just recently started to explore, I think you said the girly stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you also asked, what can women do? So I suppose those two things are, are, are ringing on my, in my head. Like it's, I got to say something here. So yes, for women in this time where, you know, it, it's been such an unsafe environment or felt like such an unsafe environment to open to your feminine because the feminine has been, because it's inherently vulnerable, you know, because it's been <clears throat> oppressed and, and uh, hurt a lot by sort of unconscious, closed-hearted masculine over centuries. It's very difficult, you know, but it's, it's at this time, it's more essential than ever to slowly and carefully and in a, in a, in a very really safe sort of structured way, learn to relax back into that feminine. And not all women are inherently feminine, by the way, but, but most are, um, generally speaking. So if you are a, naturally a feminine being who has developed a, a masculine layer in order to kill it in the workplace and get shit done and, you know, to earn your parents' respect or whatever it is, <sighs> now's the time that when you take that conscious breath, relax with that and just see what comes up when you let it. You might find that something there's some movement that that arises some light that wants to come out some something feminine something beautiful you know and again that involves relaxing i feel like on on a collective sort of scale of things men will feel safer because believe it or not men need to feel safe before they can open too you know men will feel safer to explore their stuff and, and drop into this sort of healthy masculine place when they feel women are making an effort to relax into their feminine. And then feminine beings will feel more seen and trusted as men. You know, you see how that goes. So it's like a chicken and an egg kind of thing. You know? For sure. So, and, you know, when you talk about women dropping into their feminine space. It's interesting to me because I had a coach who said to me, and she was amazing. She's one of my favorite coaches that I've ever had. And she's very great into her feminine space. And she was like, the feminine energy is so much stronger than what people really understand, Mm. you know, connect with. Because the one thing that I learned was that the feminine energy is longer lasting like it's not as heavy as the masculine energy. And I know that there's been tons of studies about this, but um, when women try to take on that masculine energy, they feel heavy and their energy is short-circuited because the feminine energy is meant to last a lot longer. And I don't know how much of that is true, 
but that's what I've learned over the years. And um, for me, just being able to be more in that space, it's allowed me to laugh a lot more. Mm. And it's allowed me to be more playful. And it's allowed me to not be so serious um, because this whole idea of like, I need to kill or <laughs> destroy. And, you know, not that that's like all healthy and everything for even a man to do, but um, it's that feeling of having to. Um, and I guess the, the best way that I could explain this is that when I go into spar, right, and my coach told me this, he was like, it takes a while for women to feel safe in sparring. So they exert a lot of power and a lot of force and a lot of speed instead of allowing themselves to flow. And the flowing aspect, because in sparring, like you don't have to win by hitting somebody hard, especially in your own home gym. Like your goal in sparring is to learn how to out tap the other person, right? Like out, you know, maneuver them, take angles and do all these things. But when you're so like as a woman, because that heightened sense of, you know, fear of being, you know, hit by a guy um, kicks in, you're just going out for all the power and the speed. But once you start to learn how to relax and have that grace and understand that, you know, it's not about the, the heaviness of the power that you're allowed to, you know, gracefully almost dance in a sparring session and really outpoint your partner. And it's not really about winning or anything at that point, but it's just about allowing yourself to feel into those things. And so taking that breath and dropping into it and understanding that you're safe, I think is probably the biggest one. Um, and that you're allowed to be that woman um, is, is something that I just recently learned. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the masculine feminine dynamic is the masculine holds space and sort of permeates that that space with his consciousness, you know. Uh, this is pure David Data speak. So I uh, don't know if you if you know him, but that's he's really the sort of origin of all of this masculine feminine speak that we're that we're talking about. But um, anyway, so the 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 masculine holds a space in which the feminine can flow and move and dance, and by holding by being that space by being that container. Inherently, what that means is safety. So, of course, the feminine needs to feel safe before it can relax and, and be what it is. You know, an analogy I give is in the masculine-feminine, the, the masculine is the frame of a, of a piece of art, you know, like a, a painting or something, and the feminine is the artwork within it. And the, but the masculine is also the space in which that takes place, right? right. So you've really picked a, a hell of a thing in which to practice masculine or, or feminine embodiment in sparring because you're actually not that safe <laughs> you know you do have punches and kicks flying in your general direction or or someone trying to choke you out or whatever the martial art is right if it's jujitsu right. but um i mean i've experienced even in uh, dance classes where i'm partnered with a, a female she doesn't know me and you can feel the tension, this kind of, <laughs> this, and this control. And, it's like, and even within that, there's a, a practice there to be done, which is to relax and trust. But again, only trust if your partner is trustable. You know, I'm never going to go be saying like, hey, ladies, all relax and go all feminine and, and just 
out there like that. It's again, it's within context and container. And it's the other side of that is men integrate, be integrated so that you are in integrity. And then therefore you are trustable. That's what integrity is. It's strength and trustability, you know? And, um, so yeah, maybe you want to try a dance class before you start fighting people and trying to be all feminine in a fight, you know, but Hey, whatever. That's, that's, I know that sounds super crazy, but what it basically came down to is that like women have a hard time because, I mean, when you're at your own home gym, right? Like, and get it that even at your own home gym, that there's some, there's always going to be one or two real like dumbasses who want to go heavy and like do something stupid. But at the same time, it's like you're at your own home gym where they're really protective of how you do that. Like you wouldn't do this like in a random place by any means because you have no idea what your you know surroundings look like. So it's all about like situational awareness. So let me put that one out there. It's like, like my little dis- disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it's one of those things where um, just allowing yourself to not have to go so heavy and actually really learning how to, you know, have flow with it. And granted, when you're, there's a purpose for everything, right? But for me, in, in the aspects of sparring, it's really about learning how to maneuver myself around my partners and being able to get in and find the shots and to be able to do it without like having to tense up my shoulders and you mm-hmm. know, everything else and just learning how to flow. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's a secret is men and women have both masculine and feminine in them and need to develop both, actually, to whatever degree is is right for them. Because where you are, how much feminine, how much masculine you have is, is dependent on the individual. But to whatever degree you have feminine, even as a masculine man, you should explore. And, you know, I, I do this. I do, you know, quite a lot of feminine practice, actually. Um and so it's important for all of us. So in, in fighting, uh, like in this sparring kind of thing, you talk about sort of being relaxed but ready that you'll find within there there's a lot of both masculine and feminine. And it's the same in, in intimacy and sexuality is actually you kind of embody uh, both in, in really good sparring and really passionate intimacy. You'll find that you're, each person is is got a – again, there's a, there's a little – dot of black in the white a little dot of uh white in the black or whatever in the the yin yang symbol you know so Mm -hmm. yeah it's um funny because again like it's about knowing when to turn one off and when to what turn one on or like learning how to dial it back and forth and um so kind of a funny thing when i started doing this type of stuff like i decided that i wanted to fight last year like i don't know just make a lot of sense that you know, almost 40 year old woman who has two kids and wants to go into a ring and start fighting. It's just like, that's what everybody does. Right. Mm. No. Um, but it was interesting for me because I was like, okay, well, I really want to do this. And I realized the reason for me wanting to fight was wanting to know that I was safe. Um, it was like, almost like I had to prove to myself that I was okay. And now it's just like, okay, I love this stuff, but it was challenging to date. Um, and even like the guy friends that I had dated at one point, I was like, yeah, you're like way too feminine and I don't want you to see me pounding somebody's face in. And not that that's what I was doing, but I mean, essentially that's what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're hitting back and forth and we're exchanging um, strikes and whatnot. But I had a really hard time having men that I was in a relationship with um, to be, to watch me because I just, it felt like I was taking away something from them. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a there's a whole thing we could we could talk about there. But um, I mean, yes, that's that's very intuitive of you uh, because I mean, I've had I used to run a regular like weekly self defense class for a, a good few years, and every now and then a couple would turn up, like boyfriend girlfriend, and here yeah, we're we're here to do this thing together. And I'm like, okay. And uh, what I learned over time is don't partner up. Don't ever. I never let them partner up. And if they insist, I'm like, okay, you're going to regret it because there's so much going on there. You know, like she holds the pads and he hits too hard and she gets to feel his like, his his potential for, that he could kill her, you know? Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't have the integrity like the, to contain that, then rather than sort of turn her on, it can scare the shit out of her. And then they there's a weirdness there. And then conversely, Maybe he did, he can't hit, you know, maybe he hasn't got it in him and he hits like a quote unquote girl, but she can hit harder than him. Now you've got a really big problem and you can see it. Yeah, I've had couples come in all happy, like we're here for this class and then they leave like on the verge of divorce or something. <laughs> and uh, and so there's, there's a lot going on there. And you're right. I mean, if you are dating and seeing a guy, it's not even about technique. Like maybe he doesn't know how to fight on a technical level because he's never been taught. But if he doesn't have that fight in him, like he would do it like, and then he sees you go for five rounds, knocking the snot out of each other with, with somebody then. Yeah. You know, that's one way to kill all sexiness ever, forever, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad that I actually brought that up because I was like, man, you know, and I remember him thinking, I can't believe that, you know, you didn't let me come to the fight. And I was like, yeah, there's no way that I was going to do that because like, I don't want to feel like, um, like I can hit you and I don't want you to feel like I'm going to hit you. And it just, there's just so much that was there that I'm like, I can't see you getting into a ring and I need to be able to have you respect me as a woman and not as a person who can take you out. Yeah. Well, we've we've covered quite a lot of uh, topics today. That's very. Uh, that's a bit like my work as well. It's um, somebody was saying today, like, what do you do? Because you're teaching self defense here, and then you're giving a talk next month on uh, on sort of embodiment and, and sexuality, and then you've written this book on relationships, and then you're coaching men. How does that all? What's what's the thread in all that? And for me personally, it's it's the body because I'm an embodiment guy, right? So the one thing you take into all of those is your body. So that's that's my thing. But um, yeah, no, it's been great exploring these these topics with you. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for uh, for asking me to to be on here. I was so excited when you approached me. In fact, the way you you approached me was <laughs> it was great actually. If I remember correctly, you. You saw a, a post of mine and you liked it. And then I just got this PM private message saying, you and I are going to work together and it's going to be fucking epic or something like that. And uh, there wasn't even a high in there. It was just, <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> if you say so, sure. <laughs> You're like, it's, it's said, so now it's going to be done. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I just, I love, I love what you write. I love what you post. I mean, like, you are so articulate. I'm like, man. And it's crazy because, like, even after, like, um, PMing you, I find that we have, like, two kids that are, like, within months of each other. Mm. And your birthday is, like, a day different from mine. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So, some good shit. Yeah, no, but um, that's definitely do this again and, and more stuff 
for sure. Thank you so much. And yes, um, I will drop a link for where everybody can find you and everybody can find your book um, mm -hmm. in the show notes. And you're on Instagram as well as on Facebook. And are you on Twitter too? Or No, I haven't, I haven't got that far yet. It's <laughs> oh, a lot of work, man. <laughs> it was really interesting recording this episode with Sharif. I know he wasn't expecting to share his experience as a child, and it definitely had some hesitation initially. What's amazing, though, is he talks the talk and walks the walk. Being able to explore some of his past experiences and allowing himself to be vulnerable, you can almost hear the discomfort he had in doing so. What was great was after his episode was recorded, his ability to share his own takeaways post-interview with how it's impacted the decisions he's made in his life to do the work he continues to do. Sharif is an amazing writer. You can catch his book on his site, www.sharifhjoynson.com or find him on Instagram and Facebook with his handle, which is S-H-A-R-I-F-H-J-O-Y-N-S-O-N. Being able to hold space and draw out real vulnerability is important work. A lot of miscommunication we have between the sexes is because we don't really understand how to get to the meat of the problem. Our gender roles have us acting a certain way, and without really taking a deeper look past the surface, we can get stuck. Without the ability to acknowledge and communicate what really bothers us, we continue to neglect our truest self. The question comes down to, can we allow ourselves or another person to really feel safe with our deepest, darkest shit? Or do we pretend like it doesn't exist or as if it doesn't matter? I can't begin to tell you how important it is to honor our own journeys. It's one thing to be able to physically protect someone, but it's a different ballgame when we are able to feel safe emotionally or provide the support for someone else to feel safe to be real. Doing this allows us to have real talk about what we need to grow, evolve, and be more emotionally aware of the shit that is going on in our life. We begin to see the patterns and challenge those norms so that we can become higher evolved human beings who've done the work to heal. I really hope you found this episode helpful, that you have gained clarity on how to draw out vulnerability by understanding the way we show up and how we hold space. Understanding our trauma is one thing, but if we can't ever get to the point where we have the basic ability to even share it, we don't get to go to the next step, which is understanding it. If you found this episode to be helpful, please help this new girl out. Subscribe to Trauma to Triumph in iTunes and leave me a review. If you want to connect even further, come to my site, which is kimbao.co, K-I-M-B-A-O dot C-O, not com, and drop me a question or let me know what resonated. There's always room to improve and would love to hear the feedback you have for me and be able to connect. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, your insight, your willingness to hear another perspective to add to your arsenal of amazing tools you already have. Enjoy right now, and we'll see you at the next episode. Much love.